Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Scientists have uncovered evidence of a complex and ancient society in the Amazon that is older than any we have record of in that region. The archaeologists found the remains of ancient neighborhoods, roads, and farms in Ecuador thanks to a laser technology called LIDAR. Stefan Rostan is the lead author of the new report published in Science Magazine. He's an archaeologist with France's National Centre for Scientific Research. He is in Paris. Stefan, hello. Hello. Can you describe what you found? Yeah, um, we, we knew we knew sites with uh, uh, earth mounds for for, for decades. Uh, I did this begin uh, to excavate uh, twenty five years ago, so uh, I knew about uh, these uh, platforms and the uh, road, uh, etc. What we didn't knew at this time it was the size and the uh, the general uh, global organization of this uh, uh, this construction um, uh, through the the Upano Valley in Ecuador. Mm. This is really new, and the lidar showed show to us a map uh, of this road connecting cities, cities made of earth, obviously, but cities uh, two or three thousand years ago. Tell me more about that. When you first began to use the LIDAR technology, what what did you see? Um, um, It's a fantastic uh, technology because uh, uh, through uh, a laser... a laser, you can't see the exact morphology of the ground uh, through the vegetation. So in a forest, you just, it's like cutting all the trees and you see exactly how was the modeling uh, of, of the natural or anthropic modeling of the forest. And uh, in, in, in Amazonia, it was... Uh, indispensable to uh, understand the uh, ancient construction made by uh, uh, native people. And uh, we could reconstruct completely the the system, the urban system, the cities, and uh, the uh, road system through uh, all the valley. What did you think when you saw these patterns of of community living? (laughs) Uh, I saw nothing. I just said, "Wow!" <laughs> 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 uh, it's it's a gift for an archaeologist. Uh, after working uh, forty years in the Amazon uh, in landscape archaeology, I found some uh, 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 agricultural mounds uh, in in, in on, along the coast of of of, of, of the Guianas, but uh, it was a, a big surprise also. But in the Upano, it's completely completely. Uh, new, it's a, a, a new approach of the uh, human past in the biggest uh, rainforest of the world. So uh, um, you must know that uh, we always thought that uh, there were only semi-nomadic living in the forest uh, for 
now a few decades we we, we began to 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 find uh, uh, earth mounds and uh, monumental uh, uh, buildings made of earth and uh, now we we know that also they had uh, sometime a urban system organization with stratified society uh, trading with uh, the Andes. Uh, we, have, we have many data uh, thanks to the excavation and thanks to the LIDAR. How long ago were these communities living in that region? Uh, probably uh, almost one millennium. A millennium? One millennium. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible, yeah. And it forces you to rethink how how we look at those past civilizations, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, we began, archaeologists, archaeologists and anthropologists began to rethink uh, the human past of the forest from, of, uh, at the end of the uh, 20th century. I, I was part of these people uh, trying to, to understand better uh, this human past. And now we have... Uh, proves that it was different and the modern societies are not completely representative of this, uh, I would say, glorious past. No? What, is, what is next for you in the work that, that, that you want to do in this region? Oh, I, I have still to, 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 to work with the LIDAR. I have still to work with uh, many data that uh, I did excavate seven years in this, uh, in, in this valley. And uh, I, I hope that some, someone or uh, sometime will, will, will begin to, to, to excavate again because it's, it's a so large region of uh, more than 100 kilometers long and 20 kilometers wide. So uh, there is work for many accurate during during years. It just must be, I mean, as you said, you said, wow, when you discovered it. It must be incredible Mm. to have the technology to cut through something that in past you had no idea what was there, that that you didn't know existed. Yeah, and especially because you don't destroy nothing. This technology permits to give you an imagery without cutting the trees, without destroying the forest, uh, without destroying the archaeological site. It's just perfect. Stefan, it's fascinating. We're going to talk more about this technology, but thank you for mm. telling us about your role in this. Thank you. Stefan Rostin is an archaeologist with France's National Center for Scientific Research. We reached him in Paris. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of the Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at the Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Jay Silverstein is an archaeologist, senior lecturer at Nottingham Trent University, and he has led expeditions around the world studying ancient civilizations. Jay, good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. Thanks for being here. Um, how significant is this finding? Uh, well, it's very significant because, as was just mentioned, it, it really opens up the our vision into what was in existence in the past in a in a terrain, in a topography, an environment that's always very difficult for archaeology to to study. Can you explain, I mean, Stefan kind of gave the, the, the thumbnail sketch in terms of being able to see through the tree cover, but just explain how, how this technology works. 
Yeah, it, it uses a, a laser light beam. And what it does is they've discovered and developed the techniques with advanced computing to send down enough signals that some of the laser beams will get through the, the, the foliage of the forest, get through the canopy, and reflect back from the the surface of the ground. So then mathematically, you can sort out the canopy from the surface, and then you can create that terrain model of what's underneath the you know, what's underneath the forest. And so you're, if you looked at those images that were in some of those publications, you know, you're, you've basically skimmed off all the trees and you're actually looking at the shape of the earth. And of course, then we start to, to be able to see the patterns of you know, what we'd say anthropogenic or, or, or things that were made by humans as opposed to nature. And particularly when you start to get those geometric shapes and patterns that, that they, they, they stand out very clearly now once you, you're able to, to take off that the um, to mathematically take off the the forest canopy, and again, a big part of this is to be able to do that without chopping down all those trees and removing the canopy, right? Yeah, non-destructive archaeology is extremely important. Yeah. You know, it, we recognize that archaeology is a, a limited resource, and by its nature, the science is destructive. You can't go back and re-excavate something. Uh, because you've already done so much damage to it when you excavate it. And so it's really important to record it. But we are developing more and more non-destructive techniques that allow us to to plan our excavations much better, to understand what we're looking at on the on the large scale before we do our small scale excavations. So so it, there's a, there's a series of different types of non-destructive techniques. LIDAR being, you know, the the one that's in the foremost in, in the media and technology right now, and is really opening up our eyes in a lot of different areas of the world. Is it being used extensively? I mean, I think people hear of LIDAR now often in association with autonomous vehicles. It's being used to help cars drive themselves around, but people will also trace it back to somebody's like the radar gun that the police used to stop you uh, or clock you if you're going too fast, right? Yeah, before going into archaeology, I was a police officer, and uh, yeah, used the radar gun a lot. But so, <laughs> that's an so. interesting connection. But continue. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the w- when I first did some work in Guatemala, for instance, at the the Maya site of Tikal in the in the Peten forest in the, the lowlands of Guatemala, uh, we had access to data supplied by NASA that was synthetic aperture radar data, but it just could not give us a, we, we could model some of the the larger terrain patterns the, the catchment basins um you know some of the hydraulic or and hydrology of the region uh but we could not see down and, and pick out mounds or, or temples or anything like that uh, so so that was kind of the first generation so we've been developing different ways and experimenting with different ways um and you know god bless the physicists who who, who figure this stuff out uh but yeah, the um, the LIDAR has really, it, it's gotten small enough. We've had the technology for a while, mm-hmm. but it's gotten small enough and the computing's gotten powerful enough that we're able to to do these models now on a, on a small size drone can, you know, can carry a LIDAR where it used to take, you know, a, a, a fixed wing aircraft or a spacecraft, you know, to, to use one. I mean, there is a sense of wonder and mystery and a lot of other things wrapped up in that idea of a lost or hidden city being discovered. And here, I mean, you're looking at at valleys of cities. And we heard Stefan talk a little bit about this, but how does this discovery change our understanding of ancient civilizations, do you think? Yeah, I think for 
I think for the the layperson, you know, someone who's not been out in the field and worked with ancient civilizations, it, it's more of a shock than than to the anthropologist or archaeologist who've worked with people and recognize how complex we are, no matter what situation we're in, whether you're dealing with Highlanders in Papua New Guinea or, or villagers in, in Mexico, that we adapt to our environments, we figure ways to organize ourselves. And given the opportunity and the resources and, and good fortune, you know, we will organize ourselves and create more complex societies and we'll we'll figure out how to better manage our water and build roads and build houses and buildings. So so it's not really surprising given when I when I look at the Google Earth maps of the the region where this discovery was made, mm. it's actually a really ideal situation, you know, uh, ecological situation for civilization to develop. You've but it, it interrogates that narrative that people might have about those communities in that region, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and it allows us to show people what we're talking about. And and for us ourselves, you know, we, we may understand the, the potential of humanity, but when we actually see it, you know, with the forest skinned off and we see the extent of what we were looking at, it, it is eye-opening. And as, as Stefan said, you know, wow, you know, sometimes you, you see the data and you're just like, oh, this is incredible, you know. <laughs> You wrote a piece for The Conversation in which you said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the more that we find with modern technology, in some ways, the less we actually know about the secrets of the buried past. What did you mean by that? Yeah, and I gave some examples in in that article, uh, and, I, and I have many more, but uh, I would say that you know, when I teach students or, or young archaeologists, I tell them that your first impression, your gut instinct, your your feeling of what you see when you first see it is is wrong. Is you know, wrong. Of the time is wrong. I, I, you know, I tell it when I teach forensics as well. To you know, to when you look at a crime scene, you know that your first you know intuition is probably wrong. And so, uh, you can't go with your gut so much. You you need to build the evidence. And so, when when we see something like this, um, if you look at that lidar data that that we're just talking about. Uh, on the Upano River Basin, that you know, you see geometric shapes, you see roads, um, and if you, but if you haven't actually gone to the ground, you don't know if you're really talking about palace plazas or agricultural fields when you see a rectangular shape in the ground. And there's a big difference, you know, uh, of what it means to, uh, in understanding that society. So there, there can be quite a variation of what you you see and then try to interpret from from space or from a LIDAR from above. But then when you actually go down, um, you know, it's like if I look at the roof of your house, you know, I can say, well, that's a house. But if I go into your house and start looking at the artifacts in your house, I'm yeah. going to learn a lot more about you and, and your civilization um, by by what's down there. If what, I want what, to find the house, if I can find the house from space. Uh, but if I want to find out about you, yeah. I need to get, actually go down into the house. What do we learn about us, do you think, from this discovery? Well, there's a lot of things. I think most salient to what's going on in the world right now is the fragility of civilization because we're looking at, at places where people live, but they don't live there anymore. And so people don't just give up their homes for you know without a reason. And usually that reason is that there's been some sort of catastrophe, disaster, environmental um, stress that, many, that people couldn't live there anymore and they lived and they lived in complex societies as we just said and they lived in yeah they lived in complex societies you know my my job as an archaeologist is studying people who don't live there anymore who who collapsed for one reason or another and and 
you know, sometimes it's warfare, um, but as often as not, it's because of environmental stress. But when we look at ancient civilizations, the collapse occurs in a very localized area because they're they're much smaller in scale. And, and, you know, they may have trade networks and things that could be affected, and there could be a chain reaction if one society collapses. But now we live in a full global society. So collapse won't happen, you know, it'll, it can happen regionally, but what we're looking at in the current world is the threat of collapse at a global scale. Mm. And and that's what's really scary. It's, it's, you know, everyone who lived in those ancient societies thought their society was fine and that they were going to live on forever and that their children would live there and their grandchildren and so on. Uh, but something happened and it didn't. And and we blithely go through life and, you know, we, we get our warnings, you know, of climate crisis and, and warfare and threats. Um, but we, we more or less assume that we're going to be here tomorrow and living just like we do today until, until it happens. And so to me, you know, the most important warning is that realization that you have to figure out how to make your society survive. You can't just blithely wander into the future uh, doing the things that you're doing without recognizing the stresses that are, are that might tear you apart. Or future civilizations may look back on us and do that research and think, oh, they well, thought they were going to live forever in this space. And it turned out something <laughs> happened and there they aren't. Absolutely. You know, they may be looking at us from, from Mars or something. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, this is really, really interesting. And there is, I think, a link between uh, the work that you did in forensic examination and what you're talking about right now. A real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, again, thank you very much for the uh, invitation, and it's been a real pleasure. Jay Silverstein is an archaeologist, senior lecturer at Nottingham Trent University in Nottingham, England. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.